Revelation chapter 8. We're getting into all the plagues and everything that are going to be poured out upon this earth. But since chapter 4, we have John who is in heaven and he's recording the events in heaven and he's seeing the judgments that are being released upon the earth. In chapter 7, we saw the sealing of the 144,000 Jewish men of the tribes of Israel and the tribes are named, 12,000 from each tribe. If you've ever known a Jew, I usually ask them, what tribe are you? And many of them don't have a clue. And there's numerous Jews out there that don't have a, any idea of what tribe they belong to. But that's not important. Does God know? God knows what tribe they are, if they're a true Jew. And, and that's really what's important. Today we have a few what we call Messianic Jews, those who accept Jesus as their Messiah and believe like we do in Jesus for their salvation. But God... He is not through. He's not done with Israel. And that is evidenced in chapter 7 with the sealing of this 144,000 Jewish men. And this 144,000 will have a tremendous effect upon the whole Jewish population of the world. And then we moved over into this great multitude of Gentiles, these martyrs, uh, that are not only martyred at first, but they're martyred throughout the uh, tribulation period because they refuse to take the mark of the beast. And that number of martyrs grows until God says, okay, that number of Gentiles is complete. And God has that number marked somewhere. And only he himself knows. But Jesus himself, the good shepherd, he he will comfort and satisfy those martyrs who have suffered here on earth during the tribulation. Those that have thirsted, those that have hungered, those that have been suffering from the burning heat of the sun during the tribulation. Jesus says, I will comfort you. And so that is a great comfort when Jesus himself, the good shepherd, will comfort you. So let's look at chapter 8 and we'll read the first six verses in chapter 8. And when he opened the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the the angel's hand. 
And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it on the earth. And there was noises, thunderings, lightnings, and earthquake. So even so the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. There was a silence in heaven for about a half hour. I've given you about 10 seconds of silence. Can you imagine a half hour of silence? Many times a speaker will pause, like I just did, (laughs) and we call that a dramatic pause. (laughs) And that's difficult for me because I figured dead air is bad air. You know what I mean? Say something, Don. You're up here. You might as well say something. And I'm still trying to learn to relax. Have you ever listened to Chuck Smith tapes? I've listened to a lot of his tapes, and I will turn them over and flip them over, and he was just pausing. He wasn't done with that side of the tape. He was just pausing. I said, okay, I'll turn it back over and and let him go through his pause. (laughs) But it's difficult for some of us to pause. Can you imagine a half hour of silence in heaven that John is witnessing? And John, ever since he has been taken up to heaven in chapter 4, Worship has been breaking out on a constant basis. Chapter 4, the four beings created for worship cry out 24-7, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And the 24 elders, they fall down when they hear this worship, and they respond with worship. Chapter 5, Jesus the Lamb takes a scroll out of the right hand of God. Worship breaks out in heaven. The 24 elders, uh, the four living beings uh, declare in song, worthy is a lamb, and so they sing a song of worship to God. And ever since John has been caught up into heaven, it's like worship has been combustible. It's just waiting to break out. But now we have a half hour of silence and it probably seemed like an eternity to John there is a great silence before the sounding of the seven trumpets and these seven trumpets are given to seven angels who stand before God in Jewish tradition uh, they have Seven angels around the throne of God. Verse 2 in our text appears to confirm the Jewish tradition there. But before these seven angels sound their trumpets, there's another angel, and he's got this golden censer, 
and he's given much incense to offer to God along with the prayers of all the saints. In Revelation 5.8, we looked at how God takes the prayers of us, his people, his saints, and he transforms them into a sweet-smelling aroma that come up to him before his altar. Our works, our prayers, are the only thing we can send before us to heaven. Think about that. Only one thing, or actually two things, works and prayers, are all we can send before us. We spend much of our adult life what I call gathering and amassing. <laughs> As a church, we attempted to minister to the Magahas after the April tornadoes, after they had lost everything, even a loss of life, but their home was destroyed. All their belongings became, you know, just really trash. And all of us who helped sift through their broken and damaged possessions, hopefully we learned a lesson. I know I'm trying to learn that lesson. And that is possessions can become trash in a moment. In an instant, they go from this treasured item to worthless. We have an opportunity as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we have a great opportunity to send our works and to send our prayers before us to heaven. That probably should be our highest priority in life. And if you live a life that is dedicated to accumulating, you're never going to do that. So to each and every one of us, I would say, simplify your life. I'm trying to. Just last week, I sold my bulldozer. That may not mean anything to you, but it meant something to me, all right? <laughs> but we're to store up treasures that are everlasting. We have an opportunity to store up treasures in heaven where the moth and rust, not even tornadoes, can destroy And we can have our works and our prayers go before us. And tithes and offerings can also go before us into heaven because cheerful giving is a good work. It's a good work. And so we're to pray for one another. And God sees and He hears all of our prayers not only that, our prayers bring him pleasure. I've never really grasped that until we've studied the book of Revelation, that our prayers bring our Lord pleasure. They're sweet-smelling aroma to him. And after the smoke of these incense, after they ascend before God from the angel's hand, this angel then takes the same censer, he fills it with fire from the altar, and he throws it down upon the earth. 
and great sounds come forth when this angel throws these down upon the earth. There's thunderings, there's lightnings, there's earthquakes. Now, thunderings, we associate with sound, with noise. And, you know, we're, I don't know if these storms coming in are going to be thunderstorms. But we all, if you've lived in Alabama, you've been in a thunderstorm. And so, and they can be frightening, they're so loud. But lightning also has a sound. If you're up close to lightning, there's a sizzling, there's a crackling right before it snaps and before the roar of thunder. Earthquakes also have a sound. They rumble and groan as this earth convulges and moves and you hear the earth shifting and there's like it's a groaning and a moaning. So after the silence, there's great moaning and groanings from this old earth. Now the seven angels prepare themselves to blow their trumpets. Trumpets, uh, this is the, one of the few times it's even mentioned in the New Testament. But trumpets, they sound for an army to get ready for battle. They sound retreat. They sounded, you know, attack. But a trumpet can be a sound of panic for your enemy. And these angels are pausing. They're taking a deep breath right before they sound their trumpets. And before we get into the trumpets, the judgments that bring about this final events in man's history, we should understand this one thing. God is responding to the prayers of His saints by bringing judgment. The censers full of prayers and incense are all ascending to God, and one of the prayers that we're told to pray as a Christian, we're told, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and we're to comfort one another with that prayer with those words. And God is responding to that, come quickly. Before our Lord Jesus returns or comes quick, quickly, returns in power and glory, Scripture has to be fulfilled. Judgment of the great tribulation must take place, must run its course, upon this earth. So take heed or listen carefully as we now read about some of those great judgments coming upon earth. And that's in verses 7 through 13. Then the first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third living creature, <clears throat> and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. 
A third of the waters became wormwood, and men died from the water because it was made bitter. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Pretty drastic. Any of us who study this book, I think it's critical that we understand the order and the sequence of events of the book of Revelation are not in perfect chronological order. The events could be or could not closely follow each other. They could all be happening at the same time even, quite possibly overlapping one another. So you can't sit here and say for sure that this is happening then and this is now. You can only be sure that they are going to happen. The first trumpet sounds. Hail and fire mingled with blood thrown to the earth. A third of the trees and all of the grass is burned up. Personally, I believe this hail and fire are red in color, not necessarily blood. Okay? Sometimes blood is used to describe as a color. The hail is not ice hail like we know of, uh, but like the fire and brimstone that rained down upon Sodom and Gomorrah. This is the type of hail it is. And all of the vegetation is being burnt up. Right now, we welcome this storm that's hopefully going to hit this afternoon. We are in a very dry season right now. My cows, Bella, Buttercup, and Frosty. That's my new one, Frosty. <laughs> they search for green spots out in a pasture that's in a low-lying area that's still green that they can uh, graze on. Lawn mowing, if you mow your lawn, it has stopped in the last two or three weeks. You don't have to mow your grass because it's been so dry. So we have here a third of the trees and all of the grass being burnt up. Think what that's going to do to raising animals that we eat. And any forest fire, it glows red, especially at night. And so I think this glowing red is a a symbol of the blood that John talks about. Not necessarily, but that's just the way I interpret it. <laughs> the second trumpet, something very large. John says, like a great mountain. Uh, to me, this is possibly a giant meteorite or asteroid, and it's plummeting into our oceans, one of our oceans, very possibly the Mediterranean Sea. And it's killing a third of the sea life. It's taking down a third of the ships. 
And you got cargo ships, you got military ships, you got pleasure craft. A third of them are going to be destroyed that are in this sea. One of the reasons I believe it's the Mediterranean Sea is uh, Scripture is always written from a standpoint of Jerusalem. And it would stand to reason, or at least to a degree of reason, that this is speaking of Mediterranean Sea. The third trumpet, and this is where I get into a little speculation as to this calamity of the third trumpet. A great star fell burning like a torch, hits land, and it destroys one-third of the fresh water supply apparently on earth. April 26, 1986, at 1 o'clock in the morning, Reactor 4 at Chernobyl in the, in the Ukraine, it exploded. It was the largest nuclear accident in history. The explosion and the aftermath, we all watched it on TV, but it sent a radioactive cloud over the area in much of Europe. There was a mass evacuation that went into immediate effect. There was a 19-mile radius exclusion zone established immediately around that power plant. That's a big radius, by the way. If you were to go north 19 miles from right here, you're well into Tennessee. From here to my house is 17 miles, and so you could go two miles further north of my house. South, you would go past the Tennessee River. So you would go beyond the Tennessee River to the south. To the east, you would go past Newmarket. Anybody around here from Newmarket? Anyway, I hear it's out there. Newmarket and lovely girly. <laughs> but anyway... To the west, you're the other side of Athens. So you get an idea of what a 19-mile radius is. And that exclusion zone is still into a, in effect today, 25 years after the explosion in Chernobyl. They've estimated that there were over 30,000 deaths related to this reactor explosion. Over two and a half million Ukrainians suffered health problems from this radiation. Health problems like cancer, birth defects, heart defects in new newborns. The hunting and the wildlife and the agriculture in that area is forbidden. You don't eat anything that comes from that area lest you die. And this was a, what we call a civil nuclear accident. So why do I bring this up? One reason. The third trumpet appears to me to look like a nuclear missile attack of some sort. This star is burning, descending like a fiery torch. And it contaminates. The result is it contaminates. It makes the water supply so bitter that many people die 
from either bathing in this water or drinking the water. Here's my point, and I am trying to make a point. <laughs> John writes, and he calls this contaminated water and rivers, he calls it wormwood. Wormwood is a bitter plant which grows in a wasteland, usually a desert. Wormwood is an emblem of calamity. And when you translate Chernobyl into English, it's wormwood. It's wormwood. And I thought, my goodness, could our Lord be more upfront in warning us about what's to take place? Wormwood. And this all happened 25 years ago. Chernobyl is still off limits because of its bitter waters. People are still dying from the radiation poisoning of 25 years ago. Chernobyl, Wormwood, it's a stark example of nuclear radiation contamination. That's the third trumpet that sounds. And then we have the fourth trumpet. The last one we'll look at today. And it, a trumpet that brings eight hours of darkness with it. Eight additional hours of darkness. So you got four hours of darkness added to the night. And it's so dark at night, you can't see the moon, the stars, because of what I consider its pollution. And then you have four hours of daylight that are also darkened. The way I interpret this darkening is there will be eight hours of daylight versus 12. That may not appear to be such a big deal, but the very foundation of light upon earth is being disturbed. Mankind were creatures of habit. We take comfort in the steady rising and setting of the sun. We take comfort in the moon growing into a full moon and us watching it rise. Lori and I lived in the Central Valley in California for, for quite a few years. And they have a phenomenon there called the Thule Fog. You know what I'm talking about, <laughs> some of you. The Thule Fog will come in and you will not see the sun for as much as a month. I mean, it's just foggy for a month. It gets so bad that during this time of dense fog, that people begin to kill themselves. They begin to commit suicide just because they haven't seen the sun for a while. I know you've got to be bent that way already, but I mean, suicides go up when the fog sets in. Not only is the earth reeling to and fro, but the heavens, the very thing that we would think as being steady, being reliable, are being disturbed. 
Just this last week, Irene, the hurricane, went up the eastern seaboard and it brought flooding, it brought power outages all along the east coast. And I'm watching the news like you probably did. And, and this one news program is showing how the people are getting angry because of the power outages and their lives are disturbed. They don't have the normal things that they normally enjoy like a hot shower or, or a fresh hot meal. And there was one man that they interviewed and he was so irate that uh, of the power outages and he says it took out-of-state linemen three days to get here and go to work hey did you hear the word out-of-state buddy <laughs> you know it took a while for him to get there but people they have a short fuse when you mess with their daily lives and the daily structure of their life FEMA because of all the disasters this year, FEMA is now virtually broke. FEMA helped a lot of people in our area just a couple, three months ago. FEMA right now has $7 million in reserves. They're estimating that the damage from Irene along the northeast coast is $45 billion. They have $7 million. FEMA can't give out money that they do not have. It's that simple. They've already said we can't take any new claims because we have to finish paying the old claims. So maybe Congress will act, maybe they won't, to fund FEMA. I don't know how many calamities or birth pains this old world will go through before we as a people, before our Lord raptures his church. No one really knows that. But look what has just happened this year. We've had forest fires out west, biggest forest fires ever. We've had the biggest outbreak of tornadoes ever in Alabama. And now we have hurricanes that go up our coast we have took our one agency, FEMA, and their funds are depleted that help us out in case of disaster. Multiply that many times over. What happens when we have global disasters come upon us? What happens when tremendous death and those numbers begin to mount a third and a quarter of the population of the world being destroyed. What happens when we truly have no hope if you're here on earth? What happens when there's power outages for months on end? When energy supplies are virtually non-existent? When food shortages is just a way of life, they're common. Well, as Christians, as believers, we can take great comfort in the church being raptured. Not being here on this earth 
to experience God's time of wrath, and it will be unlike anything this world has ever known. And God's wrath will be poured out upon a sinful, Christ-rejecting world. My hope, my prayer, as a believer, and I'm sure it's yours, that we will be found worthy to escape all these things. Luke 21:36. let me read that verse to you. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I would only add to the Lord's words, pray not only for yourselves that you would escape, but pray for those you love, for those you count dear, those you care for. The future is not bright for this old world. I would be remiss in teaching the book of Revelation to say that our future looks bright. It doesn't look bright. We see calamities come. We've experienced calamities, tornadoes, fires, hurricanes. And a lot of people are suffering. And I firmly believe these are nothing but birth pains. They're just leading up to calamities that will be unheard of. The message is, turn to Jesus today while it is day. And I know I'm speaking to a group of believers. So pray for your unsaved loved ones. Witness to them. Talk to them. I don't think it's necessarily going to get better before our Lord returns. I think it will only grow worse. And it's already bad for a lot of people. We have economic problems. And then we're going to grow and grow into problems that take over this earth and even the heavens will be shaken. Our hope is in Jesus. Just like the song said, give me Jesus. That will be our prayer. So let me get you to stand and we'll close in prayer. Father God, we, we don't know exactly your timetable. We do not know exactly all the calamities you're going to bring upon this earth and the rapidity of those calamities, Lord. We only know that your word says they will come. Lord, we look to you, our Creator, our Lord and Savior. We look for you, Lord, to rapture to come back for your church, Lord. You tell us we're not appointed to wrath, and Lord, we're grateful for that. But we don't know what we will have to go through before you return to take us. So, Lord, you tell us to pray that we'll be worthy to escape. So we do, Lord. Not only do we pray for ourselves, but, Lord, everybody here know someone that needs you. So we pray for our, for our relatives. We pray for our loved ones. We pray for our friends that uh, 
don't know you, Lord. Lord, that don't accept you as their God and their Savior. We pray you would do something in their lives to awaken them, Lord. Do something to cause them to turn to you and seek you for their salvation. Lord, again, save many. We look to you, the Good Shepherd, our hope, our Redeemer. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.